One reason many families choose to homeschool is simply having the freedom to live anywhere they want or need to be. So it's not uncommon for them to have celebrated the Christmas season in different climates. Veteran homeschool mom Margaret Gallipo is here to share her family's experiences of homeschooling through Christmas with or without snow. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, and I'm your host. Today we're talking with Margaret Gallipo about homeschooling through Christmas with or without snow. Margaret Gallipo and her husband Brian recently celebrated their 31st wedding anniversary. They have eight children aged 8 through 28. She's a special education teacher by training and earned undergraduate and graduate degrees from Nazareth College. She holds two teaching certifications. Margaret left the classroom when her eldest was born, and soon after the Gallipos began their homeschool journey. They are still homeschooling over 20 years later, and they still love it. Margaret has not returned to the traditional classroom, but has continued to teach not only in her homeschool, but as a private tutor and in small group settings like co-ops. She teaches online classes for parents with Mother Divine Grace School, where she also works as a special services consultant and is also a parish catechist. Margaret and her husband, Brian, were also coaches for Lego League and taught baptism classes for a number of years when they lived in Florida. But the Gallipos recently moved to Long Island, New York, and have been thrilled to find a wonderful Catholic homeschool community there. Uh, Although meeting people in a pandemic has been challenging, Margaret says, with God, all things are possible. And you can find Margaret at findingjoyonthejourney.com. Welcome back to the program, Margaret. It's good to see you. Hi, Lisa. It's nice to be with you again. Yeah, you've done some other great topics for us, which are in the show notes, organizing the schoolroom and the school year and also a mid-semester check-in. So I just want to call attention to that before we get started. But here we are in these strange times, right, Margaret? There's so many migrations going on, people heading south, people heading west. Yeah. This this sense of mobility with homeschooling families is pretty typical, whether it's for dad's job or or for other reasons. Um, we love that flexibility of being able to pick up and just go. Absolutely. And I also think, again, it, it's a, it's another one of the effects of the pandemic, right? So a lot of people started working remotely and realized, hey, I don't necessarily need to be here, or maybe this is a better a better fit for me for community or family reasons or whatever. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of migration happening. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little about where you're from and where you've homeschooled. Sure. So um, Lisa, I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. And my husband and I um, were both both raised in, uh, in Rochester. We met during our school years and um, married right after college and um, started a family, lived in Rochester, where we first began homeschooling and and really uh, meeting a group of, of women there who were Catholic homeschoolers who were a little ahead of me on the journey um, really changed my life. I mean, it really did. And, and I hadn't thought of homeschooling originally, but also um, when I did find out about um, homeschooling, didn't realize that there was a Catholic way to do it. And so I was so blessed to meet these women early on. So, um, 
kind of that, that mentor kind of thing. So I um, feel it's really important for us to share with each other on our journey and uh, kind of not forget about somebody who's maybe a few steps behind us because we can all really benefit from each other on that journey. Um, and then we went to uh, New Jersey. We moved to New Jersey after um, my, my oldest was about sixth grade. So right about that middle school year, years where you're starting to transition into different things was, was our first move. We were in uh, New Jersey for three years and then we moved to Florida where we were for 14. So we've moved around a little bit from very cold and gradually moving warmer. <laughs> and uh, that was, and that was part of the journey for us. So yeah, and back to New York again. I was going to say Rochester. It gets cold up there, doesn't it? Cold, cold. And uh, winters are dark, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, short days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a very different feel to kind of engaging with the liturgical year and all of that. Just what are some of, to start with, what are some of the special traditions your family tends to live out during the Christmas season that are consistent? Yeah, and I think some of those things you bring with you, right, no matter where you are. Um, and uh, some of them are, are particular um, to the liturgical year, as far as things like an Advent wreath, an Advent calendar, um, special traditions. Some years it's a Jesse tree, but some special ways that you remember. Um, so I think I think there's that um, kind of kind of thing. And then there are those. Um, sights and smells of Christmas that and the whole Advent season that becomes so ingrained in our memories, right? Even as adults, the baking, the cookies, the making, the Christmas ornaments, um, they're an important part of the whole thing. You know, you're making the family recipes and you're um, and telling the stories, you know, the Christmas stories. And, and I, I, I um, pulled out some of these, Lisa, to share with you, but the, the Christmas stories, this this one's so cute in it, and it's not particularly religious at all. Let's say the names for those who are just listening on the podcast, even though we do have our video cast. Just say yeah, the names of them as you hold this them up. One is, this one is the sweet smell of Christmas. And, and this one, um, I remember having a book like it as a child, but my kids love this. And we actually have gone to the warranted stickers on several of them. But this one is neat because it has... It has the stick and smell where you rub, and the book smells, oh, and it nice. and it has the and it has the smells of the candy cane and the Christmas tree and things like that. And I I, I think that our faith is so rich in sights and smells, and so I think it's beautiful to talk to kids about the whole experience, the whole thing that you know. What smells do you remember? And um, the incense in the church and the holy water in the church, the, the beautiful sacramentals that help us live our faith more deeply. Um, but it's the smell of the Christmas cookies, too, at Christmas that are ingrained in our memories, too. So it's all it's all part of that experience, I think. And the Christmas music and the Advent music, um, the hymns and the special ones. Um, so, so those are some of the things that I think um, are special for our family. Um, also, I think just being very part of the parish life during that time, that Christmas time, whether it's the Advent retreat that your parish holds that you look forward to going to, 
or the Christmas pageants. As for most of the parishes we belong to, we really tried to to be part of the Christmas pageant to help, you know, with that Christmas pageant and, and have as many children participate in that Christmas pageant. So for most years, that was whenever we were able to, that was something that we really um, enjoyed doing and uh, being part of the choirs at Christmas and um, helping, helping prepare the church for Christmas, whatever ways we could be part of that, the church community at Christmas um, was meaningful wherever we were. And, and that was a consistent thing, whether we were in Florida or Rochester, trying to be part of our church community um, during that time was, was um, very special and, and it enriched our, our liturgical celebration of the Advent and Christmas season. Yeah, it's wonderful for your children to see the importance of being active members of the body of Christ that, you know, that we understand the deeper spiritual significance in part with our bodies by doing, by participating, that we're meant to be bodies and souls in motion, right? Um, so it's just lovely that your kids had the experience not only of the in the home memories and smells and stories and practices, but of being part of a community, really actively engaging with other families. Yeah, very much, very much. It's, it's really uh, a part of the experience, a part of the memories that we have. Yeah, how wonderful. Um, so, um, in the process of schooling your kids too, and at any time start to feed us into what affected you in different places, but you were also homeschooling your way through these Christmas seasons. So you mentioned you've got some favorite storybooks. What else becomes a part of, uh, just for lack of a better word, your curriculum during the Christmas season? Yeah. So we've always um, followed a curriculum or had a curriculum chosen. And I think it's during those especially during the the Christmas season, you know, really from right after Thanksgiving uh, through all the Advent and Christmas season to really take time. And there's a place for those Christmas stories to fit into the day. And there's a time that it's, you can do that extra Christmas project. So I think it's that sense that, you know, maybe even though we are following a curriculum, maybe instead of trying to get three weeks worth of work done, maybe we plan on two during that, those weeks um, or something like that. Maybe we're not going to do the traditional thing on Friday, or maybe we're going to let our afternoons be lighter for that time. But, um, but I always felt it was important to give ourselves time to really enjoy that time of the year and, and to um, experience it differently. And it doesn't mean that we're doing less school either. Um, We're doing school differently. We always call it Christmas school Um, (laughs) because we have a, because we have a different rhythm to that time of year. And I remember when I was young and I only had a couple of children and I went to hear a talk for moms and the little ones were at the nursery and it was a talk for moms and they brought in this wonderful speaker. I don't remember her name, but she did this talk about finish your Christmas shopping early, do those secular things that need to be done and set them aside and just be really present in the season as much as you can. And it's hard and we're going to have shipping delays and everything else this year. (laughs) It's going to make it hard for us to get our wrapping done on time for sure. Um, but I think, but I think having that idea that um, 
you know, there are practical things, right? There are things that we need to do as far as buying extra food and presents and remembering the neighbors that need to be remembered or the teachers that need to be remembered, the music teachers or whatnot that we want want to have a little something special for them. And, and those are important things to do and, and important lessons in, in why do we make all this extra effort too for these other people to, to remember to remember them at this time. So making the Christmas cards. Um, but I, but I think, um, but I think in doing those things and in doing them with some joy, but also intentionally doing them a little bit early and then, and then making the time, I think it's about time. I think it's about saying that this is a priority, that this season is a priority and it, and it already goes too fast. So, you know, breathe it, live it, enjoy it a little bit before it's gone. Mm, you mentioned making cards and ornaments. Is your yeah. family crafty? Um, so we always have enjoyed. Yes, my kids do like more so than <laughs> more mm-hmm. so than I am. But, I have no um, talent kids, in that department. <laughs> I'm always impressed with families that are. <laughs> and so my kids, um, yes, they they tend to really enjoy art and music, and we've always made a big place for it. Big place for it in our in our school days. Um, but even like um, the older ones, we would always pick uh, at least a couple ornaments that we would make as a family. And even when the, even as the kids got older, I would still get enough that they could participate and try to find a time when we could all be together. And they used to have something in Florida. It was called Color Me Mine. And I'm sure they have things like this where you can bake the pottery. And, and so... Um, for a while, they had these kits that you could go and pick them up, and you and you would um, it's ceramic, and you would pick the different things. So we would I would go and pick things up, and then we would bring them home and have an evening together where we would get out the paint and we would all do it, and then take them over the ornaments over to be baked. Um, last year, we made wooden ornaments that were painted and um, a few beaded ornaments, but we do it as a family. And um, it's special and whoever is able to participate. But most years we get most of the kids participate. That's awesome. Um, any, any specific plans for your ornament this year? Oh, I'm brainstorming. The, I, I, may, I may do the wood um, ornaments again because that was um, something that was very accessible to the different ages so they could bring their abilities to it. Um, and they were sort of just a wood disc. Um, I believe I got them on Amazon and they were like a pack of 50 and they were really carved from wood, but it was a nice flat surface that you could paint on. And they did some neat things with those. Um, but yeah, I need to pick a few more and um, we'll definitely have a couple of uh, afternoons or evenings to to make some ornaments. But there's some nice memories and that idea of giving to others and who would we like to give the ornaments to. And then of course, we add them to our own tree. And so we have them from over the years. So that's wow. a nice. What a beautiful memory of being together, making something beautiful for others and for the family. And, and we um, always play Christmas music during mm-hmm. that time um, that we do it as well. So, and, and there's beautiful Advent music too. And, and so you can play that during the Advent season. And as it gets closer, you know, of course, you're bringing in more of the Christmas music, and you'll you'll hear it anyway. They'll play it on the radio. But the the particular um, Christmas music that's particular to our our faith, as opposed to um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, which is fun, which is fun. But um, but um, 
to have the kids be very familiar with the the just beautiful music that our church has at that time of year too. Oh yeah. Just the Very way amazing. beauty links us to our faith is yeah. could be a whole other topic. Um say a little bit about how where you are and your climate affects the way you celebrate. So I I remember this is funny but I remember um moving to uh New Jersey and there there being a lot more sun that than the darkness of Rochester in the winter. But then when we moved to Florida and I remember driving and it was like 85 degrees and the windows were open. Well, we lived in South Florida. And, and if anytime you're past Lake Okeechobee, you're South and, and it's a different climate. It's really tropical there. So um, for all those people that are in Ave Maria or whatever, they know what I mean, that you're, you're past Lake Okeechobee and you're really into the the tropical, you're not experiencing the Northern Florida, like a panhandle or even central like Orlando. It's, it's a, it's a tropical climate and it's very warm all year. Um, but I can remember driving my first and the, and, and the windows are down and I'm in short sleeves and the Christmas carols are coming on the radio. And it was just such a disconnect and it was so strange and surreal and I'm like what is happening and all these Christmas decorations on this green lawns and um so it was it was strange and and it really um I that was the first time I realized how linked my experience of the liturgical seasons was with the climate the weather that I lived in and how I was used to the dark winters and you light the advent candles. And even if you're lighting them at dinner, it's dark. You're lighting the darkness, right? Mm. In Florida, it was bright <laughs> still at wow. dinner time. So, <laughs> so there was a, a different experience and it took a while. But over the years, I, I saw that there were gradual changes that happened in the climate even there. And so... Um, but also those traditions that you asked me about previously that were already a consistent part of how we experienced the liturgical year, that involvement at the church. We found a new church and we grew a new community, you know, to be part of a new community. But yet did those things there, the Christmas pageants and um, the retreats and the, and the Christmas cantatas. And, and we got involved in that way there too so that it was different but yet it was it was different but yet it was not you know it was not different yeah so tell us a little bit more about how those changes in light and dark warm and cold actually found their way into the way you celebrated right so i i think uh i think lisa it there were there were differences and um maybe lighting the advent wreath at dinner, you know, at dinner, maybe it wouldn't be dark yet, you know, so that would be something that you, you might not light it at that time, or maybe later kind of thing, Th those kinds of things would affect. Um, but I, I think it was also just an adjustment period that things are different in different places and learning to um, experience differently and enjoy the things that were there in that community, in that space. But I also, like I say, over time, I did realize that there were changes that happened. Um, it wasn't 90, it was 70. Or, you know, sometimes we would have a, even a 
65 degree day with both a cold front. <laughs> there was a cold front coming. But, but, you, um, but you did see slight differences and um, you, you did in terms of your experience of nature and you did get to appreciate those as well. And, and so um, although the differences weren't as large, they still were there. And so you did, you did experience those things, but um, again, having the, the things that were consistent for you, the stories and the smells and those sort of things um, that helped a lot in, in um, making up for the, climate sort of differences that you did experience. Uh, so I guess, so I guess that's kind of, kind of the answer to that is, is that you find a new normal yeah. as you get to know people, but, but being part, but carrying those traditions with you, bringing the recipes that those family recipes with you and, um, but meeting a new church community, being part of a new, uh, place, uh, is a, is a great blessing too. So. Mm, so I feel like what I'm hearing is your family has meaningful activities, decorations, rituals, foods, music that you've carried with you wherever you are. And those become almost like pathways into the place where you are. Like you get used to the fact that it's brighter out or it's warmer. Um, but those those family traditions kind of carry you through and help you to kind of almost like um, drop anchor, you know, make those new memories in that new place in a, in a different way. It's a little weird at first, right? Right. right. And also, uh, yes, absolutely. And also realizing that there are cycles and changes throughout the year, wherever you are. They're not as drastic as they are in the North, right? In the, in the Northeast, especially, um, if you're as far north as Rochester, there they were big changes and short days and dark days, but you would you would experience some changes everywhere you are. And um, even as far south as South Florida, which is about as far south as you're gonna go, um, <laughs> that that there were there were still those things to notice when when you were more observant. And when you adjusted a little bit to the, the difference wasn't going to be as drastic, but it was still there. And there were still seasons and you were still living the liturgical life and you were still doing those things that were so important. So for those people who are experiencing this year, uh, a very different kind of winter, um, I pray that they will remember all the joys and bring all those beautiful traditions with them and um, be really happy in the place God put them. Because I would always tell my kids when we did move to is God puts good people everywhere. And I've seen that again and again in my life. And it's been a tremendous blessing. You're where you need to be. And, and there are good people wherever you are. And search them out and, and they will make your life richer and those traditions richer for you. Yeah. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is your church community too. Your homeschooling community is, is a beautiful source as well. And it's your church community and your homeschool community um, that help you also to live your faith. Mm, amen and amen. We really 
didn't need all this isolation, but there were many blessings that have come out of this whole pandemic season. I mean, many people went south and, you know, not long before the pandemic, you and your family came north. And so as we, you know, those are just such wise words to just remember that you're going to share them with other good people in the new place and to look for those blessings and make those opportunities for yourself and for your family, getting involved, getting connected with other people. Yes. Yeah. And um, it wasn't as easy, obviously, during the, the pandemic. And I think that we're, it's, it's not, um, it's not easy yet. I mean, it, and not everything has resumed to normal yet, or even a new normal there. This is still a, a period of transition. Um, but there's ways to find what what you can do, and and there's still ways to be part of community. And sometimes it's even like you and I sharing something virtually together right now, a conversation. We're not in the same room, um, but we're sharing a special conversation together. So um, sometimes you have to think differently. Um, sometimes there's that relative that you have to Facetime to be with, um, but they still know that you thought of them. And you're still making that an important moment that you're sharing with them. Mm, yeah. Amen. So many really kind of delicate, really personal layers that if we kind of pull them back, maybe prayerfully together and look at them and, and ask God, you know, what's possible now in this new set of circumstances that wasn't possible before? Where are you asking us to trust you to go deeper? Um yeah, as we're starting to wrap up, Margaret, um, any resources that you can recommend? We would love, and I can put it in the show notes, your favorite books for the season. Uh, anything else that has helped your family uh, to celebrate well and and to keep making those happy memories? Yeah, I mean, I've always looked for those books about um, living the liturgical year. Um, we, we have a liturgical calendar, a magnetic one that I actually got from Catholic brain, which is really pretty neat. And, um, so I think a liturgical calendar can be fun to kind of do that. And, in a, a, a calendar, obviously that has the saints so that, I mean, Advent and Christmas, such a fun time, so many wonderful feast days and saints days to talk about and, and read stories about and share with your kids. So, um, Obviously, in addition, I, I to the to the Advent wreath and the Advent um, calendar, uh, the crash, the nativity scene in your home, um, and so we always had a couple, you know, and one that the kids could play with. Uh, so I think that you know that's a that's a beautiful thing. But also, just you know, the books if if you're if you're newer, and I try to add every year. Now I just got this one, Lisa, but I haven't I haven't really read it yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It's um, about living a liturgical year by Ignatius Press. So What's I know the name it's going to be Margaret? great. Um, it's called the Catholic All Year Prayer Companion, the Liturgical Year in Practice. This one's... Um, Is that Kendra Tierney? Yes. And so I'm looking forward to this one. But I try. I have a number of these books, um, Living the Liturgical Year, that I've gleaned wonderful little ideas Um through the years uh, that that can help us celebrate and uh, the the saints days or the feast days, little extra traditions. And sometimes I don't even do the same, everything the same every year for some of those things just to make it fun. 
Um, but books, um, like a, like I have a book that's called St. Francis Celebrates Christmas. And this one is by Mary Coswell Walsh. And it was illustrated by Helen Coswell. And I can send you this link too. Um, but it, this tells the story of the first Christmas crash. Um, the, and so that's beautiful. And we, ha we have a great love for St. Francis at our house. And so this one's a, a beautiful one. And everybody needs to read Tommy DePaulo at Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. All the Tommy DePaulo stories and so many. And, you know, he, he recently passed away in the last few years, I know. But um, we have all his stories that he's left us. And what a gift. So the Tommy DePaulo stories are always coming out at our house at Christmas. Um, mm, so that's beautiful. That's um, that's another thing, and then there's just there's just so many beautiful. One of my children was born on the feast of Saint Nicholas, so we always make a big deal of Saint Nicholas. And I ha just have so many different Christmas books of the Christmas story and the Twelve Days of Christmas. Uh, tell your children as you enjoy beautiful Twelve Days of Christmas stories. Tell your children about the Catholic meaning behind the 12 days of Christmas. So I, I know that that's different, different places have it. I, I saw that there was something about it on Ascension Press, but there's a number of others. And, and this is how, how people would pass along the faith when they couldn't share it openly. Um, early Christians would pass it along through song and stories and, and symbols. Um, and so with the 12 days of Christmas, of course, I'm sure most of you know that, that those were symbolic for ways to pass along the faith. So the, the partridge in the pear tree was a symbol for the church and the turtle doves were a symbol for the old and the new Testament um, and so on. And so you can find all this and, and share those, share those things with your kids. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I, I think, I think stories and music and crafts and all of it come together and writing letters, um, making cards and writing letters. And um, it all is school too. It's wonderful learning and it's the learning that sticks. It's the memories that stick too. So. Mm -hmm. Great, Beautiful great. season. What, what so many blessings in our church and, um, special time to, to celebrate the many blessings that we've had, especially after things that have been difficult to take the time to, to celebrate. It's important. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So no matter where we are, our traditions, our new relationships, wonderful stories, and knowing a little bit about the history of our faith all woven together. Um, Margaret, can't thank you enough for being with us and, and kind of giving us a fresh view of this, kind of almost like Christmas on wheels and what's most yeah. important and how do you plug back in again and then create those new and happy memories. Thanks so much for, for opening this up for us. Yeah, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my joy always. Everybody check out 
Margaret's blog, FindingJoyOnTheJourney.com, and Margaret's previous episodes, which I'll have in the show notes. Number 48 is Organizing the Schoolroom and the School Year, and number 57 is Mid-Semester Check-In. Really practical, straightforward, very uh, useful, especially for those of you feeling like the need to reorganize or you're just starting to homeschool. Super practical. And uh, everybody, stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, I'm Dave Palmer here at Homeschool Connections. I teach a class called An Introduction to the Summa Theologia. And in this video, we are going to talk about a very interesting topic that St. Thomas Aquinas spends quite a bit of time in the Summa talking about, and that is the angels. And in one of the questions, he says, well, what is an angel? And he says, they are incorporeal creatures, which means they don't have bodies, which may come as a surprise to you because you're probably used to seeing images of angels like this or this, or this. And the reason why we depict them this way is because in our nature, we are used to seeing other people with bodies, and we have bodies, and everything that we come across in our everyday life, like bunnies, or dogs, or cats have bodies. And so that's how we come to know things, is through our senses. We see them, and that's how we know them, but angels are pure spirit. They are intellect and their will, and therefore they are invisible. Thomas also asks in the Summa, how does their mind work? What's different about their mind as compared to ours? And by way of comparison, this lady has a horse, okay? And the only reason she came to know about a horse is because she experienced a horse. One day she saw a horse for the first time and she said, oh, that's a horse. And so she had to see it or touch it or smell it with her senses in order to know what a horse is. Angels, on the other hand, don't. Let's say an angel understands an apple, which they, they do, well, they don't have senses, and so they can't experience an apple, they can't eat an apple, they can't see an apple. What, they're, what happens with angels is that when they're created, they already know appleness. They already know what apples are. They already know all of what Thomas calls the intelligible species that they need to know uh, to carry out their function, but they don't have to go learning them and experiencing them with their senses because they don't have senses. And so their way of coming to know things is very different. How do angels communicate with each other? Okay, so let's say you have two angels, like depicted in this picture. How do they talk? They don't have mouths, they don't have bodies. And so, you know, with us, we communicate. We have an idea in our mind, and then we communicate it to another person through the spoken word, but angels can't speak. And so Thomas Aquinas says, well, the way the angels do it is they have a, a concept of their mind, but since they can't speak it, they will it to the other angel, okay? It's kind of like telepathy, I guess. They they just let it be known. They, they want, they desire for the other angel to know what's in their mind, and they just will it to the other angel, and then the other angel can will it back to them. All right, finally, what are the different types of angels, the orders? Sometimes they're called choirs. St. Thomas Aquinas says there are nine orders of angels, and here they are, and he says they're all mentioned in Scripture. The first one is seraphims. They're found in Isaiah chapter 6, and then this is in descending order from the highest to the lowest. Then we have cherubim, who are mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 1, 
thrones are mentioned in Colossians, dominations, virtues, and powers, and also principalities are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1, and then archangels in the canonical epistle of St. Jude, and of course he says that angels are mentioned throughout scripture. So these are the nine choirs of angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, thrones, dominations, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. And if you're wondering what your guardian angel is, well, your guardian angel is an angel. They're on the lowest rung, I guess you could say, of the angels. So that is a quick little summary of some of the articles and topics that St. Thomas Aquinas talks about regarding angels in the Summa Theologia. Thanks for joining me. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.